Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. And I'm happy that you joined our program for today. I hope that your day is going well for you. I know that today we saw our first snowfall of the season, which is pretty exciting for us. And uh, so we are enjoying that a little bit, uh, just enough to delay schools a little bit here in Tennessee. Uh, but, but otherwise, we're on normal schedule, and it is still nice to see. Uh, but anyway, we are continuing our study today of why I'm a member of the Church of Christ. And one of the reasons in which I'm a member of the Church of Christ is that it is scriptural in its organization. And we have been specifically talking about elders uh, and the place that they hold in the church, uh, the work that they do, and the respect that we should have for them. Uh, as we get into our lesson for today, we are continuing our look at the qualifications of elders and what they, they mean to us. And so I look forward to getting into this study with you once again, and, and hopefully maybe we can finish up the qualifications. Uh, I know that, that just that alone took up uh, two or three weeks for us in our Wednesday night Bible class. And uh, so hopefully it won't take us too long. Uh, but if it does, it does, and that's okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll try to finish it up today, maybe. Before we get into our lesson for today, let's bow as we always do in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the blessings that you've given to us, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together, for the ability that we have to study your word together and to open up the scriptures. And we pray, Father, that you would be with us as we go into to our study today. Help us to receive these things with an open mind and with an open heart. An open heart to the things that you are telling us, the things that you want us to know. We pray, Father, that as we serve you, that we are able to be a part of this church. We are thankful that we are able to be a part of the church that you established, the church that you tell us about in your word. And we pray, Father, that we would endeavor to do only those things that bring glory and honor to you. Not things that would please us or others, but, but may we be sure that the things that we do are in accordance with your will. We are thankful for your son, for his sacrifice for our sins, for all that he means to us. And it is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. As we look at our study today, the way that I have, have put this together, uh, whenever I, I did these, um, the, the outline for this lesson, I did it mostly based on the passage of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And if you would like to turn there and follow it, follow along with us, uh, I would encourage you to do that. But the way that I set these up would, was based on this passage but also looking at Titus chapter 1, because the qualifications that we find in 1 Timothy, for the most part, are also found in Titus chapter 1. Uh, a little different wording, um, and maybe that helps us in our 
understanding of the meaning. Uh, but we'll look at both of those. And I've also looked at some some of these words from different translations, uh, such as the New American Standard, the American Standard, uh, the King James Version, and and also the ESV. Uh, I primarily use the New King James Version, and so most of it is taken from that. Uh, but I've also looked at the wording of of other translations to try to help us understand the meaning of each of these qualifications. I believe that we looked at the first three of these uh, last week, but we'll review just a little bit. Let's actually go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, and we'll just read through the verses, and then we'll pick up with, with where we left off. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. In verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 3, it is offered that he must desire the position or the office of a bishop or elder. <clears throat> Excuse me. And should he desire this office, he desires a good work. Now, there are some that would desire the office <clears throat> not for the good that it can do. Excuse me. Not for the good that it can do, but for earthly gain, for the uh, ability to stand out, for the ability to be seen as a leader and as of someone of great importance, and that type of desire is not what God is referring to. It's not what Paul is referring to by God's inspiration, but what Paul is referring to is the one that desires to lead the church, <clears throat> desires a very good work, desires a good office, and should desire it for that reason. It must also be blameless without or above reproach. And this is found in, in verse 2 of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, and also Titus chapter 1 and verse 6. This is not to say that an elder should be perfect, and we should not hold them to perfect standards. On earth, we understand that no one is perfect. All have sinned. All have fallen short of God's glory from time to time. 
But even so, when we look at elders, they are to be without blame. They are to, uh, in, in other words, if if blame were to be cast at them, if someone were to try to blame them for something, they should not be guilty of the, the blame. And they should not be thought of as guilty, uh, maybe more so than anything else. Uh, our first instinct should not be to think that this person, because of his character or, or lack of character, is guilty of whatever he is being blamed for. That's not to say that there are not going to be situations in which an elder is going to be guilty of blame. And depending on the seriousness of such a situation, uh, it may be that, that he, he needs to step down or uh, to be removed from that office. Uh, maybe the situation is simply that of, of repenting and turning away from whatever has been done. Sometimes it's a, a decision that has been made. I've heard of, of elders that have come forth together collectively and responded to the invitation publicly uh, in an effort to ask for forgiveness from the congregation for whatever they may have done. Uh, and those things, I think, in some ways are, are necessary at times. Um, but like I said, it depends on the, the seriousness of the situation. Should an elder be involved in some kind of legal issue? Uh, that's going to be a big problem. That's going to be tough to overcome. Uh, maybe it, it requires them to step down. Maybe it doesn't. But we are not to require of elders perfection. However, we do want to make sure that elders are qualified for the work that they are doing and that they do hold themselves of such great and excellent character as not to be guilty or not to be thought of as guilty of blame. He is blameless or without or above reproach. And the elder must be the husband of one wife. Verse 2 of chapter 3 and, and also Titus chapter 1 and verse 6. This qualification requires that an elder or bishop be a male in order for him to be the husband of one wife. And he is only permitted to be married to one woman. And we can take this into different uh, ways. We can, can look at this from different standpoints. There are those that, that I believe require too much of an elder in regard to him being the husband of one wife. Uh, they would say that, that anyone who is remarried is no longer qualified to do the work, and I don't believe that to be so. Uh, one of our elders pointed it out this way, and I, I think this is a, a good way of looking at it, that he is to be basically a one-woman man. He is not to be married to multiple women. Uh, we see that, that I know where I am legally. That's, that's not something that is permissible, at least in most of the states. There, now, there are some that are a little more lax on the laws that have been made. 
but legally, um, multiple wives or even multiple husbands is illegal. Um, but also from a, a morality standpoint, as we look at the leaders of the church, elders must be a one-woman man. And I, I have heard of elders that have continued to serve after the passing of a wife, uh, maybe uh, shortly, uh, not, not for a length of time that, that I have known of. Some have been remarried. And I, I don't personally see that as being a problem as far as the scriptures are concerned. There is um, something in respect of uh, being married in the Lord. And I can't think of the, the verse for that. Maybe you can find that later. But as we look at this, I, I do believe from a personal standpoint, uh, you may disagree. but an elder is to be a one-woman man, and nothing more than that, really. And we need to be careful not to hold elders to standards that, that are not scriptural, standards that are not given in scripture. Um, if we are to hold to them standards that, that are made by men, I think we're erring in some way from God's word. We're not to bind on anyone what the scriptures haven't bound, and we're not to loose where the scriptures have not loosed. And two, something else that has come up in, in some of our studies, uh, maybe more so mine, um, but I, I remember a preacher discussing um, the, the, the qualification that is given here. And should a congregation hold a standard that isn't necessarily bound by scripture? Should they hold their elders to that standard? They should not hold that standard to other congregate, congregations. Scriptural organization teaches that the church is autonomous, that the church is individual. We, we all look to the same scriptures. We all look to Christ as the head of the church. But we are individual congregations led by an individual collection of elders. And we are not to bind on another congregation something that, again, that we can't bind in Scripture. We're not to hold other congregations to standards uh, unless we have scriptural backing for those standards. So, again, we need to be very careful of those qualifications. But he must be the husband of one wife and only the husband of one wife. He must be temperate. An elder must be temperate. The King James Version uses the word vigilant. And in Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, the, the term self-controlled is used there to describe uh, what is being said here. But he must be temperate. In other words, he must be able to control his faculties, his emotions, and his desires to the highest degree. He must be in control of his body, of his temper, 
making sure that that he is is doing the things that he needs to do that he is withholding or holding himself to the character uh, to good character to excellent character those things are important if he cannot control himself he will struggle to control fellow brethren it, it almost goes to the same principle of of a man being able to control his own house, to rule his own house well. If he can't rule his own house, how can he rule the brethren? And in the same way, if he cannot rule himself, if he cannot control himself, how can he control the brethren? And what kind of respect is he going to get from the brethren if he is not able to control himself? It's very important aspect of the eldership of the qualifications of elders number five he must be sober-minded the king james uses simply the term sober and the new american standard uses the word prudent it's a word we don't use very often prudent we'll look at that in a moment uh, as we look at, at this qualification, as it is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, and also Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, we see that he is to be self-restrained. It, it almost goes uh, along with self-control. Um, it, it goes very, very, very well along with self-control. Self-restrained, sober thinking. Uh, it involves the mind as well as as the body and actions. David Lipscomb uh, uses, uh, he, he describes it as not excitable or passionate. An elder is not to be excitable or passionate. He's not to, to let his excitement uh, take him away from from his character or from seriously handling a situation. Prudent is defined as acting with or showing care and thought for the future. And, and I think as we look at this from the New American Standard, from the way that, that it words this, this qualification, uh, I think this is, is a really good description of what we're, we're talking about. He needs to be able to think ahead. He needs to be able to think into the future. He needs to be able to, to see the outcome of what's happening. Now, someone that is easily excited and passionate about something, uh, they may be tempted not to think about the, the days ahead, the, the weeks and the years ahead. That They're acting in the moment. And I think that's the key here. He can't act in the moment. But sober-minded means that he's thinking ahead, that he's acting with and showing care for uh, and thought for the future, for what is to come. If he, he's not thinking about how this decision is going to affect the congregation or even individuals or even himself down the road, then those are decisions 
that are not being made in the right way. So elders need to have some forethought and being sober-minded really gives good reference to that. He must also be of good behavior. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2. ASV, the American Standard Version of 1901, uses the word orderly. The New American Standard uses the word respectable. He is to be kind and considerate of good behavior. Not only must he be wise and self-restrained in himself, but his outward bearing must in all respects correspond to his inner life. And that is a quote by J.W. Shepherd in the commentary, the Gospel Advocate commentary. So he, he needs to be of good behavior at all times. His outward bearing, as, as Brother Shepherd put it, must in all respects correspond to his inner life. He is to be the same on the inside as he is on the outside and overall of good behavior. He is to exhibit good behavior and, and his heart needs to be geared toward exhibiting good behavior and keeping within good behavior, what we would refer to as good behavior. Orderly, respectable, all those things go go very well in, in describing this qualification. He must also be hospitable. The King James Version uses the term given to hospitality, which in other words would would give the idea that, that his life is to be given to being hospitable. That's an important aspect of the eldership. And this is also found in Titus chapter 1 and verse 8. His kindness is to be toward an entertaining strangers. Uh, he should be kind to others. Um, but especially with the aspect of entertaining strangers. This is viewed as a Christian virtue, and it is important that he be hospitable in order to be an, an example to the flock, teaching them how to live. You know, not all the qualifications are geared at just uh, the character and the uh, respect uh, of just the elder in question, as we might look at one and and to make sure that he's qualified. But also, whenever we look at the aspect of of an elder's character, he's to be a good a good example. I remember in First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven and verse one, uh, one verse that is has stuck in mind my mind for a long time, it is when Paul says, imitate me, as I also imitate Christ. And that should be an elder's duty. That should be the way that, that he looks at his life. His life should be uh, of such that, that he 
is an example to those around him. If he fails to be an example, then how can the flock know how to live themselves? It's more than just teaching. It's kind of the the same thing that that the Pharisees, they were the leaders of the people. They, They taught them the word, and yet they didn't follow the word as they should. And so as we look at at that, an elder can't fall into that same category, that same temptation as the Pharisees did in teaching, but not leading by example. Elders are to teach. They are to shepherd the flock. They are to guide them, to be aware of them, to, to be aware of their needs. But they are also to lead by example. And an elder that doesn't lead by example is not going to be a very effective elder. So his hospitality is a good example towards others as well as to those that that may come in who we don't know. Uh, An elder that is good at being hospitable is going to be very welcoming and very inviting to someone new who comes into the congregation. And that should be important to us as well. But he must be of, of a good example to others, to the flock, so that he can teach them how to be hospitable as well. We will stop there and we'll pick up with qualification number eight, that an elder must be able to teach. Um, there's a, a little bit that goes into this one, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stop where we are. I want to thank you again for being with me today. I am thankful that you joined our study, and I hope that it's been a helpful study for you. I hope that it's helpful for you to understand the qualifications of our leaders. And we do need to, as Christians, know what what qualifies someone to be an elder so that we can uh, appoint good elders for our congregations, and especially as we continue into the future so that we can prepare our own hearts, especially young men can prepare themselves for the work of eldership. And should a man, again, desire the work, he desires a very good work, and uh, and we should see it as a very good work. May we respect our elders always. If you do have any questions, I invite you to contact us. Uh, go to our website, marshillcoc.org. And if you go to that website, um, our contact information is there. Uh, You can send us a letter if you would like, 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, 37037. Um, But we would love to hear from you. Um, And certainly if you have any questions, I would be glad to entertain those and try to answer them for you. I thank you for being with me again today. And I hope to be back with you again next week, uh, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Uh, Nothing comes between us and and that that appointment. But uh, thank you for being with me today. Have a blessed day. And until we meet again, may God continue to bless you. Bye.